0: And welcome to Avatar, the podcast. We are your hosts, Acorn Bandit and Booster Greg, and we are gonna put on a play today.
1: That's right, so make sure you're in your seat and make sure that you get the loudest candy possible, like a solid (laughs) Starburst. Ever try to eat a Starburst in a theater? It's the worst movie candy because you have to unwrap each individual one and everyone just stares at you. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just me, but yeah.
0: Get some caramel corn, make it real crunchy.
1: Make sure your cell phones are not silenced. Why why is this turning into a break all the rules at a theater? I don't know, but it is.
0: (laughs) I think it's because it's a Fire Nation theater and we're just wanting to cause trouble.
1: Yes, that, that sounds about right.
0: We are, of course, going to be talking about the Ember Island Players today, or as we like to call it,
1: previously on avatar
0: that's right um this is book three episode 17 the very last episode before the finale (gasps) so buckle your seatbelts we're gonna have a great time today talking about the ember island players and then things are gonna get serious
1: so serious i can't even stand it like this is the last breath of fresh air before the big Dragon Ball Z fight is what I affectionately call those episodes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Very much like that. Yep. I actually kind of felt going into the prep for this week's episode, I kind of felt like Aang in Nightmares and Daydreams, where I was like, mm-hmm. oh God, oh God, the, the finale. It's it's here. Yeah. It's time.
1: It's very interesting that like during the the day of Black Sun, we were like so prepared for the end and we we're ready to go. And then everyone knows that just like fizzled and wasn't yep. the end. And it's felt like these past several episodes have just been going by so quickly. And now you're right. We're here. And it's like, oh, my God, like right around the corner. Next week, we're going to be releasing parts one and two. So holy bejeebers. I want to use other words, but I want to want to make sure we don't get an (laughs) explicit tag on the podcast. So we're going to stick with Bejeebers.
0: I like it. You know, I like it. All right. Well, we're going to put that out of our minds for now. We're going to focus on some reviews before we go into today's episode.
1: Yeah. And the first one comes from Avatar Noah.
0: Wow. Yeah. An avatar.
1: Yeah, right? A modern one too. Noah. I don't think we've met any Noahs in the proper Avatar the Last Airbender series. <laughs> avatar Noah writes, this is amazing. Noah, I think you mean ang amazing.
0: Oh, good catch.
1: Yeah. Anyway, just kidding. Just kidding. Noah writes, this is amazing. Best podcast ever. I quote Avatar State. Yip, yip. Wink, wink.
0: Are you telling me (laughs) that this naturally... Listeners, we did not plan this. Mm -mm. This review was the next one in the list that we were going to cover. And it just so happens to be on Ember Island Players Week. How amazing.
1: It feels like fate. This has happened several other weeks, I feel like, where... Yes. it's referential to the episode we're either going to cover or just covered the previous week. So good job, everyone. But Noah, thank you so much for writing. We super appreciate it and appreciate your amazing timing. And and thank you so much for the five-star review.
0: Our next review comes from Cyan 32 who writes, a wonderful podcast hosted by the best podcast hosts around. This podcast is so detailed and so full of love from Acorn and Greg, the hosts, of course. It's astounding. Personally, I think it's the best podcast I've ever listened to, and I've listened to a lot of the more well-known ones. Acorn is always incredibly friendly and chipper, always picking up on small details that went under my radar, and Greg is the voice actor aficionado and the pun master, who also just so happens to be my favorite Twitch streamer as well, assuming I can make it to his streams lately. And then it's like the...
1: I call it the anime embarrassed face emoji. Yeah. That's what I call it. (laughs) Because
0: it's like the, the smiley with the sweat drop.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: Both are incredibly friendly, and there's an obvious passion put into this podcast. Easy six out of five stars,
1: Cyan.
0: Wow, I'm like, I'm blushing. Yeah. I you can't see this, but Greg can see. I'm I'm blushing. That was so so kind of you. Thank you so much.
1: Yes, yeah, Cyan. Thanks so much, and we miss you over on the on the live streams, pal. Cyan uh, has also written in for angmail, and I feel like has interacted with us in every possible way that you can. I think so. Yeah. So. Yep. I miss you, buddy. You're amazing. Thank you so much for the five-star review. We super appreciate it. And don't be embarrassed about not being able to make the, the live streams lately. Just make them. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's super nice. Thank you so much. I'm going to say that I've invented a new form of bending and it's called pun bending.
0: Oh, how have we not landed on that until now?
1: Or would it be word bending? No, that feels weird. No, I like pun bending. Yeah, I do too. Word bending sounds like I'm manipulating (laughs) everyone. (laughs) Uh, But I'm not.
0: I'm shocked that we haven't found our way to that that bending reference. Like, how have we not come up with pun bending until now?
1: You know what? It doesn't matter because we got here in the end and that's it. As Zuko would tell us, in the end, it doesn't really matter because we got here. That's right. This is a little Lincoln Park in there for you. I'm never <laughs> getting off time. that. Ho- Every time I'm not getting off this horse. Sorry.
0: Now here's a question for you. Yeah. Because if Sokka is now a sword master, and the master who taught him was Master P and Dao, who mm-hmm. was your master who taught you pun bending?
1: Master Pun now, of course.
0: <laughs> master Pun now.
1: <laughs> Wonderful individual she is actually one of my favorite people and one of the, just so like caring and hysterical and nurturing. And, uh, you know, it can be a little strict at times.
0: Yeah. Pun master would be. Yeah.
1: You know, because you have to be able to deliver a pun in a certain amount of time. And if you lose that window, it's just all over. Little known fact, master pun now actually lives on wordplay Island. That's, that's where that's where she lives.
0: <laughs> Wordplay Island. Is that next to Whaletail Island?
1: Uh, yes, actually, it's it's right. It's the little island off the coast of Whaletail Island. Just mm-hmm. like you blink and you'll miss it. Very similar to if anyone's familiar, the Master Roshi Island in Dragon Ball Z. Okay. Very, it's just like the single thing. Just got the one house there. Yeah. <laughs> Single palm tree.
0: Let me guess. If Mm -hmm. if whale tail island is supposed to look like a whale, especially Mm -hmm. a whale's tail, does wordplay island look like anything in particular, like maybe a a, a book or a dictionary? Is the whale like smacking that island out into the sea?
1: Not everything has to be visual Acorn. Some things can (laughs) just be. That's all. But to answer your question, yes, it looks like a book. (laughs) Knew it. (laughs) <laughs> okay we completely
0: derailed yes, let's get are. back to our reviews <laughs> thank you so much asayan for your review our next one comes from the other 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 guy one who writes amazing with two exclamation points i found this podcast unfortunately super late acorn and greg deliver insight to each episode that make me rethink what i already know about after the last airbender and i love it the way they break down each episode with great detail and wonderful humor helps make my workday better. Content that's not watered down, ah! very grounded to the show. Acorn ah! <laughs> and Greg are always on fire. <laughs> <laughs> always bring a breath of fresh air back oh, into my day.
1: Got all the wow. elements. Wow. We should
0: have gone in the other order. That was like written for you. Wow. We do have a string of emojis. We have a smiling face, a black heart, water and a couple others that got taken out, but I will assume that they are the other elements. So, thank you so much the other 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 guy for a very punorific review.
1: I am angmazed at this review right here. So <laughs> good.
0: Angmazing is spreading. It's it right. was meant to be.
1: It's right. It's going into all of the adjacent words of amazing. <laughs> The next one comes from Person2488. One of my favorite persons, good old Person2488. And they write, Aviator the Last Fender Bender. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say this full disclosure. It feels like trolley, but I love this. It makes me mm-hmm. giggle every time. It's just kind of like you look at it quick glance and the title's like, oh yeah, Avatar the Last fender, But then you look at it and it's Aviator the Last Fender Bender. It's just very silly. I like it. It's very funny. Avatar is awesome and this podcast is awesome. Well, thank you, Person2488. I appreciate it.
0: You know what? Person2488, you're awesome.
1: You know what? Get a promotion, Person2487. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and our final review comes from The Big Bill, who writes I love Avatar. I love your podcast so much. I love listening to it all the time. Thank you. Short and sweet. Yeah. Both Person 2488 and The Big Bill.
1: Yes. Thank you all so much. And remember, if you want your five-star written review, what do they have to do again, Acorn?
0: They have to leave a five-star written review.
1: And why is it got to be written?
0: Because if it's not written, we can't read it.
1: That's right. If it's not, it's as <laughs> Greg always says, if it's not written... You can't read it. And that's just how the written word works.
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And wordplay, as it were.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed.
0: I hate and love that that has turned into your catchphrase. I just can't tell you that. (laughs) It's funny. All right. Our reviews are complete. Let's get into today's episode. Let's go to the theater. This episode was written by Tim Hedrick, Joshua Hamilton, and John O'Brien and was directed by Giancarlo Volpe. Before we go into the first scene, I want to make a note that we all know this is a very cheeky episode. It's very meta, lots of references, lots of looking back, recapping. It did allow the team to fit in a couple different fan opinions, production notes, and meta humor through Team Avatar's opinions of the play as we're watching it with them. It can also be kind of argued that the whole episode is basically the writers lampshading their own story. And if you're not aware, lampshading is a term used for situations in storytelling where the concerns, criticisms, or arguments of the audience are answered within the work itself to either ease audience disbelief or frustration or to kind of nod to the things that they knowingly are doing. Regardless, I love this episode. I actually had so much fun rewatching it this time. A lot happens too. So... Starting off, this scene opens on Ember Island at the Royal Beach House where the team had gathered after the events of Katara's and Zuko's trip to Yanra's village. Team Avatar hiding out in the Fire Lord's house is ironic and is not lost on Katara. She comments about it as Aang and Zuko wrap up a training session in the courtyard. Zuko reminds her that his family has not been back to the beach house since they were happy, which was a very long time ago. It's the last place anyone would think to look for them. At that moment, Sokka and Suki rush into the courtyard to tell the others that they've discovered something exciting. There's a play about them. Sokka pulls out a poster advertising the play and it features dramatized versions of Katara, Aang, and Sokka. Sokka reads the poster to the group saying, The Boy in the Iceberg is a new production from acclaimed playwright Puan Tim, who scoured the globe gathering information on the avatar from the icy South Pole to the heart of Ba Sing Se. His sources include Singing Nomads, Pirates, prisoners of war and a surprisingly knowledgeable merchant of cabbage. Suki finishes saying brought to you by the critically acclaimed Ember Island players.
1: Ha. So anyone keeping score right now, although we don't see the cabbage merchant in this episode, this is the last time (laughs) he is referred to in this series.
0: Oh no. Yeah. Just
1: add like a a little drama to a comedic scene right here.
0: A little melancholy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. The image for the poster also shows an exaggerated rendition of the season one box set cover art.
0: Oh my gosh, I caught that! I still have my original set, my original box set of DVDs yeah. from the initial release. Where, get this, before Blu-ray, everyone, where each book was fit on a series of six DVDs.
1: Jeez, a lot. so
0: you know, multiply six, carry the three, uh, should be about eighteen. 18
1: discs. Math bending. In
0: one box set. I'm terrible at math bending. Oh, I will let you know. I need to find myself a master. Yeah. Nowadays, though, we have Blu-ray and so much more content fits on those discs. I have both versions and I prefer picking out the skinny one now from my bookshelf.
1: For sure. Plus, better quality image too. Don't forget that. That too. Yeah,
0: And actually, while we're on the topic, they recently announced we're going to get a third version of the show. If you haven't heard, there is going to be an Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra Blu-ray box set that is supposed to have new content on it. So keep your eyes peeled for when that comes out.
1: I feel like they just waited for me to buy a box set. (laughs) And then, okay, guess what? Another box set. They must (sighs) have. We
0: both bought the Blu-ray version around the same time, too. So, you know. Yep. Yay, us. Yay. So getting back to the poster, I actually found, interestingly enough, the actual translation of the text, which we do see when Sokka pulls up the poster, it is different than what he says. Um, So for anyone who's interested, I love things like this. The actual translation of the Chinese characters say, the boy in the iceberg, the famous Earth Kingdom playwright Puan Tim's new work has collected information about the avatar from around the globe from the icebergs of the Southern Water Tribe to the Earth Kingdom capital. Information came from nomad singers, pirates, prisoners of war, and a knowledgeable merchant of cabbage, starring the Ember Island players.
1: Mm. So
0: I, I like to think that Sokka being Sokka added some dramatic flair to the reading of this poster and kind of filled in a couple extra details.
1: I 100% agree with that. Absolutely, <laughs> you would do that. I also did now just see, seeing this written out on screen right now, Nomad Singers, Chong.
0: Uh-huh. That's oh. who they're talking about.
1: I miss you, good buddy. Good old
0: Chong and crew.
1: I miss Chong all and of company.
0: Them.
1: Still, yeah. I think, one of my favorite episodes. Oh, so good. Just amazing all around. Just really good. Uh, something very interesting. The name Poo-on-Tim in the commentary, Breik made note, this name is kind of a little wink and a nod at one of the writers of this episode and has Mm. been a writer for quite some time that we've all noted, Tim Hedrick, so.
0: Oh, really? Tim, okay.
1: So that was kind of funny. I love it. Yeah, because I was like, "Poo on Tim? Tim's a very non-Avatar name. There's got to be a connection there, and then they confirmed it, so that was really cool.
0: Sure enough. Yeah. Well, they finish reading the poster, and Zuko makes a disgusted noise. He tells the others that his mother used to take his family to see the Ember Island players. He complains that they butchered Love Amongst the Dragons every year. And here's where I do want to remind everyone that we saw a poster for Love Amongst the Dragons at the post office in the Runaway. This play will also be featured again in The Search, which is the comic series that is coming after we finish book three. Yeah,
1: I can't wait. It's gonna be so good. Also, great detail. Just not making up a new like troop, an acting troupe. Just kind of like using what's already existing again, even though we're in the final episodes. They are still world building, which is solid.
0: And doing callbacks, which I always love.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: I did find a couple lost lore details about the Ember Island players. Pretty much what to be expected from a local acting troupe who performs on Ember Island's only theater. Um, They are regarded as the only nighttime entertainment on the island. And so as a result, are very popular. While they're not the best actors and actresses around, they do take themselves very seriously and almost always pack the house. They are considered professionals, yet they barely make enough money to get by, and almost all of them dream about getting out of this little tiny theater and going to a much grander stage.
1: I feel that. That's a mood right there.
0: (laughs) Just a small town troupe living on a tiny island.
1: Taking the midnight train, going anywhere.
0: Taking the midnight ferry, going to the mainland. I'm not making this rhyme at all, but I'm just trying to make
1: no, no. <laughs> make
0: associations. <laughs> 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 terribly, terribly. Last detail I found really interesting is on the old Nickelodeon website, there was a different design used for the actress Aang. Instead of the woman that we see later in the play, it was actually a small boy. The same one who told Zuko his scar was on the wrong side during the second intermission.
1: That's really cool. I like that detail.
0: Yeah. It makes me wonder if they didn't have the final design fleshed out. Maybe they were thinking they were going to make it be like a really young boy who's kind of awkward in a bad costume versus yeah. this really like perky, upbeat woman actress.
1: Yeah, possibly. I mean, at this point, I feel like this episode is so ridiculous that everything was up in the air. I do this as, as a creative type where if I have too wide of a scope, my brain just goes too big. And then I got to bring yeah. myself back down and ground it somewhere in reality, which is when we'll get to that part, we'll talk about it, but which is exactly what they did for this episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Katara asks her brother if he really thinks it's a good idea for them to attend a play about themselves. And he insists that a day at the theater is the kind of wacky nonsense that he's been missing. That's all the convincing they need. Later that night, the group travels to the local theater, which is an opulent house that sits on a hill overlooking the ocean. The friends find seats in the mezzanine where the seats are somewhat removed from the rest. As they file in, Aang goes to sit next to Katara, but is blocked by Zuko, who comes into the aisle from the other direction. Aang awkwardly tries to tell the prince that he was going to sit there, but Zuko obliviously tells him to just sit next to him. What's the big deal? Aang stutters for a moment before sitting down dejectedly.
1: It's really funny, in my opinion, that Zuko hasn't pieced together that Aang and Katara are like kind of a thing right now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, We just touched on that in a recent episode too, how Zuko just really isn't socially aware sometimes. Yeah. He's so focused on on the matters at hand that he just completely misses those like verbal cues, the body language, and Aang's pretty awkward here. Also, did you notice he's wearing the same kind of hat that Shu wore in The Painted Lady?
1: Yeah, I did see that. I love how they just took Shu's hat.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just so recycle good. it. Yeah. Makes me wonder if it was like a common hat, a common style of hat that's in the Fire Nation because that was in a Fire Nation village.
1: That's true. I mean, my headcanon is that he just literally took Shoes Hat.
0: <laughs> I like that too. They
1: take trophies wherever they go. So who's to say that they just didn't take Shoes Hat? Because that guy's swapping hats so quickly, he can't be aware of where they all are in a given point.
0: Great point. And it's less itchy than Oppos
1: Yeah. And I think we all miss Bonzu, Pippin and Paddle Lops, Acopolis. <laughs>
0: I know I do.
1: I do, too.
0: Can you imagine Aang dressed as Bonzu Pippin and going to the theater with these youngins?
1: Oh, that would be Ang amazing. I dream of the day where we meet him again. And if you maybe are wondering day. who, maybe one day Bonzu Pippin Paddle the third will return in our lives. But sadly, today is not that day.
0: That just means everyone needs to write letters to Avatar Studios requesting that Bonzu makes an appearance, a reappearance. Yes, please. Toph complains about sitting in what she calls the nosebleed section because her feet can't see a thing. Katara tells her not to worry. She'll tell Toph's feet what's happening. At that moment, the curtain rises on an Arctic scene where actress Katara and actor Sokka paddle in a water tribe canoe. The shifting ocean is created with lines of long paper panels that are moved up and down from offstage. Katara lights up to see herself depicted and Sokka puts a hand on her shoulder and excitedly points back and forth between himself and his actor. This is so tragic because this is the one moment when they're excited and then they get crushed for the rest of the episode.
1: Yes. And we have some voice acting notes already (gasps) right now.
0: Yes. I was waiting for this.
1: So actress Katara was voiced by none other than the talented, the beautiful, the wonderful Gray Delisle Griffin.
0: I thought so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome.
1: Actor Sokka is voiced by none other than Mr. Scott Menville.
0: (gasps) No way. Yep.
1: Yep. He has showed up again. This is like the fourth character that he's played in Avatar. This one definitely is a little more pronounced, has more than one or two lines. If anyone thinks that name sounds familiar, can't remember. Scott Menville is the voice of Robin in Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go. He's done much more than that. He also was the voice of the scout from The Great Divide. He was, I think it was in Bato of the Water Tribe. He was the voice of Mm, uh, the messenger guy, Messenger the the Earth Kingdom Army messenger guy. Uh, And he showed up in a couple more since then. I just can't remember the other ones at the moment. But yeah, just like an actor they really like to reuse and bring back. So good job, Scott Menville. There's more. Don't worry. I'll get to them as we meet them. But I just wanted to start off strong with those two.
0: I love it, man. And what's crazy is Scott never sounds like himself. He, he sounds always like sounds himself. like a different. You think, okay. To me. You would to think me. so because you hear him a lot. I, do. I was listening to actress Sokka going, wow, this sounds so much like Sokka, but just in a different, slightly off kind of way. Same yep. thing with actress Katara.
1: Yeah. Like mirror universe Sokka. And I think that's exactly why they got him. Yeah. Yeah. It was perfect.
0: Wow. Their delight soon deflates when actress Katara heaves a big sigh and says melodramatically, Sokka, my only brother, we constantly roam these icy South Pole seas and yet never do we find anything fulfilling. And actress Sokka replies, all I want is a full feeling in my stomach. I'm starving. The audience laughs and the two Water Tribe siblings look at each other in confusion. When actress Katara asks actor Sokka if food is the only thing on his mind, actor Sokka delivers another version of the same joke, ending with the same, I'm starving. The audience laughs again. Sokka is livid, saying his jokes are way funnier than this. Toph, however, laughs next to them. I think he's got you pegged, she exclaims.
1: I love Toph in this. She's just like that neutral third party at the moment. (laughs) She's Mm -hmm. eating it up. so good.
0: To me, it's like they wrote this play for people like her. She is the intended audience.
1: Yeah. Even though they don't know that she is their audience. I I don't think when Puan Tim, still so funny to say, when Puan Tim wrote this, (laughs) didn't realize that Toph was his intended audience or like other members of the aang but it's just like you're just close enough to the actual events to know what actually happened, but removed enough to be like, that's hilarious. This is the best thing that's yep. ever happened.
0: <laughs> um, I also like how Saka does refer to himself as the meat and sarcasm guy in the show. And so apparently that is exactly what Puan Tim picked up in his interviews from everyone else who's encountered Saka. So it's funny to know Saka with the depth that we've come to know him with but then to see his character reduced to the things that he even claims he is.
1: Yeah. Also, real quick, I know this is an Ava in the episode where we talked about what we wanted from Avatar Studios, but I just thought of this. I would love a The Office style episode where Kuan Tim is interviewing all of the people and we get to see exactly what they said.
0: Oh my God. Yes.
1: That'd be really cool. I think it'd be really fun. That
0: would be hilarious. Actress Katara goes on saying the world awaits a beacon to guide them and that even though none have appeared, they cannot give up hope. For hope, she says as she begins crying, is all they have, and they must never relinquish it, even to their dying breath. She leans over the side of the canoe and loudly cries. Katara watches with her arms crossed, displeased. Well, that's just silly. I don't sound like that. Suki and Sokka snicker from the seats behind her, and Toff says in delight, oh man, this writer's a genius. <laughs> Back on the stage, an iceberg is wheeled out behind the canoe and a person-shaped paper cutout waggles back and forth at the top. Actress Katara comments that there appears to be someone frozen in the ice, perhaps for 100 years. She waterbends the ice open with a hi-ya and the panels split to reveal the troupe's depiction of Aang, a sprightly and perky woman. When Actress Katara asks who the strange boy is, Actress Aang replies, I'm the Avatar, silly, here to spread joy and fun. Aang asks in shock if a woman is actually playing his character. At that moment, a Chinese dragon like Appa runs around the stage to festive drum and cymbal music. Actress Katara exclaims that actress Aang is an airbender and that this realization fills her heart so full of hope that it's making her tear bend. She proceeds to weep loudly. Actor Sokka joins in saying that his stomach is so empty it's making him tear bend. The two actors cling to actress Aang's legs together, crying. Mm -hmm. What a start to this play. And I can't help but think just how crushing it would be to watch yourself on stage being personified in a play and just like all of your worst qualities or all of the qualities that maybe people picked up in like one meeting yeah, are yeah. the ones that are are there. Like we know Katara is full of hope. We know yeah. that she is like emotional and she cares and she has like big thoughts and feelings, but then to watch her character reduce down to that, it's so funny, but also hurts at the same time, I'm oh, sure. Absolutely,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to know who the voice of actress Ang is?
0: Yes, so much. Who is it?
1: It's none other than Saturday Night Live's own Rachel Dratch.
0: No way, really?
1: Yep, yep. Uh, if anyone thinks that name sounds familiar, the one for me, personally, she's on many different skits on SNL. She was a uh, a cast member for a very long time. But for me, the one that she'll always be known for was Debbie Downer, which is one of the oh. funniest ones. Yeah. Yep. So she was Debbie Downer. She was also in a bunch of other stuff. She was in the TV series Imaginary Mary. She was in Bob's Burgers. She's been oh, a voice in Yeah. Who in Bob's Burgers? She was actually a couple different characters Jody, Bethany, and Christy.
0: Oh, okay. Kind of side characters. All right.
1: So I don't. It's one of my favorite shows. Okay. Okay. Uh, She was also in Shameless. Uh, Oh, yeah. And she was in 30 Rock. I can't believe I almost forgot that. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was in 30 Rock. So just amazing talent. I didn't pick up on the voice, but when I saw the note, I was like, that's amazing. I love that. It's so good.
0: And it's a newcomer, too.
1: Yeah. It's actually one of the only voices in Avatar The Last Airbender. That wasn't in a previous episode. So this was the only newcomer so far. Yeah.
0: Cool. Another fun fact here is there's definitely a lot of Peter pan E vibes going on with this depiction of Aang. Mm-hmm. And actually the idea of a young male hero being acted by a woman is similar to traditional English theater productions of Peter Pan, where Peter is played by an actress. And in addition to that, in the commentary, the creators were talking about how this was kind of like a send up of the pressure that was on them to cast a woman as Aang's voice rather than who they landed on. And actually, since you're the voice actor guy, can you tell us why that
1: is? Well, usually women tend to have like a more youthful and higher pitch kind of voice, which means also not only can they sound like a 12 year old boy, but they can sound like a 12 year old boy for longer than an actual 12 year old boy can. Yep. So it means they can make more episodes. They can prolong aging the characters like Bart Simpson is a prime example of that. Uh, Nancy Cartwright, amazing voice actress. She's been voicing Bart Simpson for ages because her voice doesn't change. Well, that's not fair to say. Her voice changes, but she can still do the Bart Simpson voice without sounding like this and saying, hey, man, (laughs) eat my shorts. You know?
0: Yeah. She has the same range for a longer period yes, of time.
1: Yes, that's a much more intelligent way to say what I just said. <laughs> but what was interesting is in the commentary, they also did note that they didn't mind that Zach's voice kind of changes a little bit in the series because... The events take place over about a year. So they're like, that's kind of more realistic, too. It gives him a little more maturity and it makes his growth as a character a little more believable.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I have thought about, well, what if they make more Avatar content from this time period? Obviously, these actors and actresses were like, you know, teenagers, preteens, and they've grown a lot since then. And while some of them do maybe still have the same kind of voice they had at the time, I've wondered what would happen if they needed to find a replacement, like especially for Zach. And that's the cool thing about the voice acting world. Everyone is so freaking talented that you can oftentimes find someone who sounds so much like the voice that you're going for. Similar almost to what we're talking about with actress guitar and actor Sokka sounding like just mirror world versions of their real counterparts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because in case anyone forgot, they did release for the game Smite, Aang, Zuko, and Korra. And they actually re-recorded the lines. I don't think they used the actual audio from the series. And the voice of Aang was Jackson McBride, and I didn't hear the difference.
0: Wow.
1: Granted, I'm playing in a very high intense arena, so I'm not quite like listening with as close of an ear as I can, but it sounded, in my opinion, almost exactly like Aang. So maybe they can just use Jackson again. Although by the Mm -hmm. time they get content out, Maybe not. Who knows?
0: <laughs> Could be a couple years. Yeah. One thing's for sure, though, if Mike and Brian are involved in the production, they will put the time and the work in to make sure it is done right. Absolutely. I'm thinking about that one fun fact we had in a recent episode where they were talking about taking like 20 different takes just to find the right moment for Sokka when he realizes that it wasn't Suki coming into the tent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I think ultimately it's in good hands. A depiction of a Fire Nation ship glides into the scene with actor Zuko and actor Iroh on board. Actor Iroh tells the prince he must try some of his cake, but the prince tells the other actor that he doesn't have time to stuff his face. He must capture the avatar to regain his honor. In their seats, Zuko complains that the play makes him seem totally stiff and humorless, something that Katara doesn't agree with, saying she thinks the actor is pretty spot on. I was upset about the cake! Where's Iroh's tea? How could they possibly have gotten that mixed up?
1: I wonder who gave this story to the writer of this play. Because you yeah. can imagine the beginning is probably given to them by someone in the Southern Water tribe. But here the relationship between Iroh and Zuko, like it's all it is definitely told from a secondhand point of view. So I wonder if it's someone who's kind of half paying attention in the background and it's like, Oh yeah, it's always trying to <gasps> do something, like eat cake or drink tea or something.
0: Here's a headcanon. Yeah. Here's a fan theory from me. What if it was one of the crew from the very first ship when Zuko and Iroh first went to the South Pole? Because at that point, Iroh was very focused on food. He had his roast duck. Zuko was very much this kind of version of his aggressive personality. Also, his car's on the wrong side of his head. Yeah. Yeah. A little more intense. Maybe it was someone on the ship who just didn't really have a good opinion of them.
1: I think so. One of my first thoughts was maybe Lieutenant G, but... I think Lieutenant G would have had like a clearer idea of the relationship and would have at least gotten the scar right, like on this on the side of Zuko's head, because they sparred so much and they had so many words. Uh, yeah, I think it's like nameless Fire Nation soldier number four that we saw in the background, <laughs> I think.
0: Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And my brain went to the same place, but then Lieutenant G learned more about Zuko's backstory right. and started to feel for him. So I bet it was someone who was only on that first voyage, which... Yeah. You're correct. I think it was Nameless Fire Nation Soldier number 10.
1: Yeah, that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> at this point, we begin a montage of scenes, starting with one that takes place at the Air Temple. Actress Eng spies a curly tail sticking out of a bush. The actress reaches behind the bush and puts an animal puppet on her shoulder. It's a flying rabbit monkey, she exclaims, then proceeds to name it Momo and badly voices the puppet, having it say, Hi, everyone. I love you. <laughs> The audience laughs and Aang massages his temple. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene takes place on Kyoshi Island between actress Suki and actress Sokka. actor Saka. Actor Saka is dressed in a Kyoshi warrior costume and waddles into view before bending over and asks, does this dress make my butt look fat? The exchange makes Suki laugh in the audience, but Saka just blushes.
1: Because <laughs> he knows there's no right answer to that. There isn't. Yep. Oh, man.
0: After Amashu, where personally, I think the costumes and sets looked great, the actors gather in the center of the stage in front of a pirate ship backdrop. A group of pirates come onto the stage and comedically attack the characters in a circle, allowing the characters to crawl out from under them and tiptoe away. Actor Sokka asks why actress Katara took the scroll and she weeps. It just gave me so much hope. (laughs) Katara watches from their seats with a deadened, annoyed expression. (laughs) It's so good. I just want to pause here and say one of my favorite things about this episode is actually how they imagined the sets and costumes into an animated episode. Yeah. Like everything was very practical effects, lots of manually operated gadgets, And I did make a note later, but I will mention it here. The old man, the old man stagehand is one of my favorite characters in this episode because he always, the camera always flashes to him like wobbling a thunder sheet or like turning the gear, (laughs) making the sets move. He's on top of it.
1: And he's so like emotionless when he's doing it. He's just (laughs) just, like going through the motions of his job. I love it.
0: (laughs) For the capture of the avatar. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Speaking of which. In this next scene for the capture of the Avatar, we hear that metal thundersheet in the background, and the production is made more drastic with flashing lights and large stage set items. Actor Zuko gloats about capturing the Avatar, then looks off stage and asks who is coming. A figure leaps onto stage with a body-sized Blue Spirit mask and two thick broadswords. I am the Blue Spirit, the scourge of the Fire Nation, here to save the Avatar. The figure flails across stage, insinuating fighting, and the soldier actors drop to the ground behind him. Actor Zuko attacks with a red firebending ribbon before escaping off the stage. Actress Aang cries that the blue spear is her hero, and in the audience, Zuko and Aang grimace at each other.
1: I find it very interesting that I think it's safe to assume that the Ember Island players are probably mostly Fire Nation citizens. Yeah. And they don't firebend. Like there's not a single firebender in the troop not saying that they all need to be, but the odds are maybe one might be. So then they wouldn't have to do practical effects. They could just be one of the stagehands in Firebend.
0: Yeah, I know. Because we've seen in the festivals around the Fire Nation before that there are firebending performers yeah. who do, you know, like the That's dragon right. that we saw. And they will perform with real life fire. I guess the reasoning I land on is just consistency. All of the sets and the effects are practical. So... To make it look cohesive, they just went like all or nothing.
1: Less dangerous also. And less
0: dangerous. <laughs> in case someone's not a firebender.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did find it interesting that they kind of took a little bit of inspiration from Japanese Kabuki theater with the stagehands, which I thought was really cool.
0: Yes. I loved that. The people dressed in black.
1: Yeah. So essentially, in the real world, in our world the adoption of these like costumes wearing all black to signify the invisibility of ninjas in Kabuki plays is responsible for pop cultural depictions of ninjas as we know them now with all black outfits.
0: How interesting. It's oh my very gosh. Cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I remember that too from like I used to go to the theater and stuff as a kid and, and at first it was super jarring to see like puppets and like someone all in black behind them. But then your eyes just like tune them out almost and it becomes very like yeah. magical, which is really cool. So awesome. I, I went I saw that i was like it's a nice touch because they didn't have to do that at all
0: yep they really didn't but it it continues to add that surprising layer of like realism to yeah. this animated show episode about a play it's like they just went to an extreme level to make it very believable
1: yes also i forgot to note this when it happened actor zuko voiced by none other than derek bosco brother to dante <gasps> bosco who is also in the Cave of Two Lovers episode as Moku.
0: Oh my gosh, that's right. Yep. We did talk about Moku.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How cool.
1: Actor Iroh, and subsequently afterwards, I know we haven't reached her yet, but actor Toph is voiced by John DiMaggio, who is nice. He has been in Futurama as Bender. If you've played the Gears of War franchise, he's Marcus Phoenix. Uh, he is not new to Avatar either as he's voiced additional characters in the Blind Bandit episode. Oh, he's also in Adventure Time. How could I forget Adventure <gasps> Time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty big one. But yeah, he's also in Adventure Time as Jake. So he's all over the place. If you don't know John DiMaggio, you probably don't watch modern animation. I'm just going to say that. Just so go on a <laughs> limb and say that because he's in everything. Yep.
0: Him and Tara Strong are the, the few names I recognize in the world of voice acting.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to like what I have to say. In just a moment then.
0: Ooh, Okay. Okay. The introduction of Jet in the flooding of the Fire Nation village is a quick scene. In it, Jet promises a sobbing Katara that he will wipe out that nasty town for her. A black clothed stagehand runs across the stage with a flowing train of blue fabric as the swing the actors are standing on is raised into the air. Actress Katara says, Oh, Jet, you're so bad. Katara is once again embarrassed and visibly cringes while Toph laughs beside her. The constant cuts just kill me. I
1: love it. It's it's very reminiscent of the Muppets for me with uh, Statler and Waldorf. Like like oh, the, you watch yeah. the play, you watch the thing and you just, you pan up to Toph and she's just cracking yes. up and making a comment and yep. Team Avatar just slumps further down in their seats with each scene.
0: Yeah. I found it funny, too, that their depiction of Jet has him chewing on a flower yeah. versus his iconic piece of wheat.
1: Yeah. Again, something lost in translation or just lost in the, the telling of the story. Or maybe just like a yep. quick note of like, yeah, he had some sort of like plant in his mouth or something. Done.
0: Yeah. And actually, that goes with my, again, my headcanon of who did they talk to to get this story? Because not only is he not chewing on his iconic wheat, which is so incredibly jet. Yeah. The reasoning for him flooding the village to impress Katara who thought that he was so bad and she was like really into him. Sounds like a third or fourth party account if I've ever heard one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think as one of the the rebels too, I would imagine that he got to talk about this one.
0: Yeah, like one of the super outer ring freedom fighters that lived in like, you know, six trees over who barely (laughs) saw them while they were visiting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I can see that. Um, Now, similar to what the actors do in the play, I'm not going to talk really about the Great Divide portion. They addressed it and then Sokka said, "Eh, let's just keep flying.
1: I think you actually just covered the entirety of it right
0: there. Okay, fair. Yes, I did.
1: (laughs) Oh, look, it's the Great Divide. Yeah, let's go somewhere else. And same. Let's just
0: keep playing. This may actually be one of my favorite self-referential moments because as we talked about in the Great Divide episode, it was one of the lowest rated Avatar episodes yeah. in the whole series, if not just the book.
1: I think it was the series. Yeah. I You're think it right. is the series. Oh, really quickly too. Actor Jet and also actor Boomy is voiced by none other than Dee Bradley Baker, voice of Momo and Appa.
0: I wondered. Yeah. There was a certain quality to his voice that made me wonder... Really great Boomy. by the way, similar to actress guitar and actor Sokka. It was that mirror world concept where it sounded like Boomy, but like a little not. Something is a little off.
1: It's also interesting, too, that like Boomy is such a well-known figure in the world of Avatar, not just for Aang, but he's like, or he was the king of Amashu. So many people have heard him and many people know that he's kind of wacky and crazy. So... I bet you mm-hmm. in the fictional world of Avatar the Last Airbender, at this director or casting director, I don't know, I don't know how the Ember Island players <laughs> work, to be honest with everyone. But I would imagine that it was much easier to cast someone like Iro or Boomy or even Azula in in Zuko to have them sound like their real world counterparts versus someone like, like Aang who've only a handful of people have met. So they didn't really know what to kind of do with them anyways.
0: That's a great point. Yeah. The characters in the play who have been seen by and interacted with more people in the world are the ones that are truer to their actual characters. Wonderful way to put it. Yes. No, that's a great observation and one that I my brain caught on to, but I didn't actually take it to that point of realizing the why behind it. In the scene depicting the Northern Water Tribe, actor Sokka pleads with actress Yue not to go. She's the only woman who has taken his mind off of food. The actors kiss and actor Sokka gags. Wait, did you have pickled fish for dinner? Actress Yue says goodbye that she has important moon duties to take care of and she is lifted into the air atop a moon and drifts out of sight. The last thing we hear from her is, and yes, I did have pickled fish. (laughs) (laughs) In the audience, Sokka is glued to the play, his eyes shiny with unshed tears. Suki laughs next to him and says he never told her he made out with the moon spirit, but he shushes her, saying he's trying to watch.
1: You're going to love this. Okay. Actress Yue is voiced by none other than the talented Jenny Kwan, who is the voice of Suki. <gasps>
0: Beautiful. I love it. Oh, that's poetic. Yeah. The actress for Sokka's first girlfriend is voiced in the real world by Sokka's second girlfriend's voice actress. Yep. Love it.
1: Perfect little touch.
0: The last scene before intermission is of the Siege of the North where actress Aang leaps around the stage dressed in a giant Koi spirit costume affectionately nicknamed (laughs) Zilla, stomping on miniature ships and clutching a toy Zhao in one hand. She shouts... The Avatar is back to save the day. Yay! Before tripping over the costume and falling over. The curtain lowers and the majority of team Avatar groans. Except for Toph. She's having a blast.
1: I love that they have a toy Zhao in the hand. Yes. So perfect.
0: (laughs) The tiny toy and the tiny ships. Such a great detail. The group of friends take a break in a deserted wing of the theater house. Zuko comments that this intermission is the best part of the play so far. Sokka complains about being reduced to an idiot who tells bad jokes about meat all the time. Suki smirks at this and, while Sokka starts chomping on a bag of jerky, assures him that he tells bad jokes about plenty of other topics. At least the Sokka actor kind of looks like you, Aang says. He throws his arms in the air. That woman playing the Avatar doesn't resemble me at all. Katara comforts him by reminding him the portrayals aren't supposed to be accurate. It's not like she's a preachy crybaby who can't resist giving over-emotional speeches about hope all the time. The rest of the group stares at her until she asks, what? I laughed at that. I did too. (laughs) Toph pipes up. Listen, friends, it's obvious that the playwright did his research. I know it must hurt, but what you're seeing up there on that stage is the truth. The scene fades back to the play where the next scene shows a backdrop of Earth Kingdom buildings. Actress Aang pulls out a mini glider and announces that she better go have a look around to see if she can find an earthbending teacher. She's lifted up and away by an attached cable. Really fun, random fun fact about this. The sound effects used for actress Aang's glider were taken directly from a real life toy version of Aang's airbending staff.
1: It's the funniest thing. They talked about that in the commentary and I was like, of course, of course you would.
0: Of course. Similar to the drill, the drill sound for Sokka chewing on the flower in his tent. I
1: also feel like using this, this is just me reading into, I have no justification to give this explanation. But I feel like that's also kind of like Mike and Brian and the team that's working on Avatar to go to Nickelodeon and Nickelodeon's marketing team that I'm sure makes them do all the stuff they don't want to do. And they're like, we need a a sound effect for a glider that is comical and not actually what it sounds like. How do we get that? And they go, oh, we have a toy that makes that sound perfect. So it's almost like sticking it to the man a little bit. so
0: to speak. Yep. Call up Nickelodeon. Hey, Nickelodeon, we need a toy on the house. Yeah. So we can make the sound effect for the show we're producing for you.
1: That is so far only been historically inaccurate for the events of Avatar, the last airbender. Cool. Done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can't help but think back to Sokka's master and how they made that reference to the fact that they were forced to create all these.
1: Oh yeah. The costume
0: ideas for Aang for the armor. That were just like not within the tone or the scope of the show at all. It was just very anime out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like that little bit of like passive aggressive, just like, ah, like I love my job, but man, I hate that they make us do this stuff and they incorporate it into the show, which is great.
0: (laughs) Toph grows more excited in the audience, eager to see her character finally come into the play. Actress Aang flies in a circle over the heads of the audience and lands back on the stage saying, I flew all over town, but I couldn't find a single earthbending master. Suddenly, one of the stage rocks begins rising into the air next to them, revealing a trapdoor and a burly man dressed in a costume of Toph's clothes. You can't find an earth-bending master in the sky. You have to look underground, he says. The man lifts the rock prop and throws it over the other actor's heads. In their seats, Aang and friends start laughing while Toph strains to hear the actor. When actress Aang asks who this new person is, he replies, My name's Toph, because it sounds like tough, and that's just what I am a confused Toph wiggles a finger in her ear saying, wait a minute, I sound like a guy, a really buff guy. Katara quotes her words back to her in a satisfied way, saying that what she hears up there is just the truth and that it hurts, doesn't it? Expecting Toph to be as dismayed as the rest of them, the waterbender is surprised when Toph jumps to her feet. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't have cast it any other way. The blind bandit giggles and adds that at least it's not as bad as a flying bald lady which makes Aang glare from the other end of the row.
1: I love how much Toph loves her actor.
0: I do too. Again, I forgot how good this episode is and how many just like little cherries you find scattered
1: all throughout. It's also kind of like, again, another little glimpse into the mind of, I want to say team Avatar, but I'm not referring to Sokka and Katara. I'm referring to like the production team over that works on Avatar. Where the things that they don't like, they kind of present in like a almost mocking manner. But things that were changed for the better, they bring to light in a positive manner. So, for example, with the male portrayal of Toph is obviously we talked about this back on the Blind Bandit episode. Toph was originally supposed to be this kind of character like a kind of tough male character. And then I think it was Aaron Ehas, I believe, was just like, no, Mm -hmm. she has to be like a little girl. Just trust me, this is what she has to be and look like. Yeah. And it worked out wonderfully. Like she's such a perfect addition to Team Avatar that it feels in hindsight incomplete in book one when we haven't had her yet. Like there's just that like looming hole in the group that like just gets filled immediately when Toph shows up, so... It's very cool to see like the psychology almost in it where like this is what she was supposed to be and they made a change for the better. So Toph is reacting in a positive light and where everyone else goes in a negative way like we're talking about with Aang and and Nickelodeon was trying to get like a woman in her 30s to be the voice and Michael Brown were like, no, 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 it has to be a kid mm-hmm. and a you know, 12-year-old kid beyond a shadow of a doubt. So it's cool to see that.
0: Yeah, no, totally. And I, th- I think it's really because the spirit of Toph is the spirit of Toph, regardless yeah. of like who she looks like or who she is. So that was their intention the whole time. Toph was going to be this kind of character. And then when Aaron E. has encouraged them to change her gender and make her a little girl, she was still Toph. It was just a different packaging. And so the fact that she identifies with the person she hears on stage is just, like you said, perfect. Yeah. Meanwhile, all of the other critiques, like the female voice of Aang, the characters react differently. You're right. I love that so much.
1: I also love the one inaccuracy, or I will say the second inaccuracy that they had got with Toph, which is how she sees the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. The scream oh my is. something else it lasts just a couple seconds yeah into uncomfortable territory the audience is shocked it doesn't know how to react it's just beautiful
1: and the scream is like right in i think it was katara actor katara's face this is how i see scream right like you see like the wind going just like (laughs) chef's kiss so good
0: incredible In the play, the dramatic parting of Iroh and Zuko is over his luscious hairstyle, which actor Iroh claims has gone too far. In the confrontation between Zuko, Iroh, and Team Avatar, actress Azula escapes by pointing in a direction and saying she sees Zuko's honor. By the time the play gets to Ba Sing Se in the drill at the wall, the audience is starting to nod off.
1: Actress Azula, voiced by Tara Strong.
0: (gasps) No way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool.
1: And, um... Tara Strong actually has been in a previous episode of Avatar. And I think in one of the episodes, I actually incorrectly said that Tara Strong did the voice of Tommy Pickles. That's not correct. Someone actually called me out on that on Twitter. Thank you. So I can rectify it here. She actually is the voice of Dill Pickles. So Ah. I got the right family, wrong brother. I had a 50 50 (laughs) shot there. And I just missed completely. Uh, But Tara Strong was also the voice of May's little brother, Tom Tom.
0: Oh, very cool. Well, I personally think that her skills are on better display for this episode
1: as actress Azula. What? And not doing little baby noises? (laughs) Crazy.
0: Who knew? (laughs) Another small note, but I found it so funny that when they got to the scene with the drill, Basically, everything that is said in the play is exactly what was said in the episode. Like, this wall is going to come down for sure. And then, ha ha, yes, continue drilling, throws rocks. There really wasn't much.
1: There wasn't much. And that's why we grouped it together in the two part. So just so everyone yep. knows, I don't remember if I said this on that episode. Usually our notes go to like eight to 12 pages. They can. That whole two-part episode right up on my end was five or six pages of the Serpent's Pass and like two pages of the drill. Like nothing wow. happened in the drill. That was like of note, really, except for yep. the actual drill itself and the attack on Bossing say. But it's just like...
0: I believe it.
1: I, I just love those little like teeny... Again, another little jab. We did the jab at uh, the Great Divide and now they're doing it again. It's like, yep, this is all that happened in the drill.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. The end. Throw more rocks (laughs) around this part in the play, too, is where we really see that old man stagehand that I mentioned before. He's doing the sound effects. He's manning the manual props. I actually couldn't help but think he would be a perfect character for a secret podcast episode.
1: I was going to say that, but we've already influenced secret podcast enough.
0: That's okay. This is such a great character.
1: I know. I I would love to do nothing more than write this guy's backstory as well. (laughs)
0: Secret podcast is going to be around for a while. Mm -hmm. And if you're tuning in for the first time and don't know what secret podcast is, it is a secret podcast exclusive to our Patreon where we create backstories for background characters in the world of Avatar that are nominated by our patrons. So if you are a patron and you're listening and you love this idea and want to nominate the old man for a secret podcast episode, let us know if you get selected. If you think Secret Podcast is the best sounding thing ever, you are right. It is great. We love it so much. And you can check it out over on Patreon.com slash Avatar The Podcast. In the next scene in the play, we see the Lake Laogai portion of the story. A brainwashed jet appears with googly eyes and hooks for hands. The actor stumbles across the stage babbling about how he must serve the Earth King and must destroy... A hollow boulder prop is dropped from above and the actor weaves across the stage once more in order for the rock to land on top of him. But the lightweight prop drifts some distance and finally lands on just the actor's upper body. He scoots his lower half the rest of the way under the rock. And in the audience, Zuko asks if Jet just died. Sokka replies, you know, it was really unclear.
1: It is. It's a question we ask ourselves to this day.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: If he's not dead. I'm just going to say it. He's definitely paralyzed. There's no way.
0: It was definitely a tragic conclusion.
1: He hit that earth real hard. Yeah. I do want to say this. Keeping it a little lighter. Did you see what was on his hands? The hooks. He had two hooks. <laughs> at, at my very first knee-jerk reaction were like, why is he double Captain Hook? And then I remembered his swords were hook swords. So this is, again, a bad interpretation Of what his weapons were by someone off in the distance.
0: I can just hear that conversation. And he had hooks for hands.
1: Yeah. Or like, I don't know like (laughs) what, but it's it's just these little details that they add in that are just wrong. Just make this episode shine so much.
0: It's like a bad game of telephone.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's exactly it.
0: Yeah. And you're right. While we don't know what happened to Jet in the actual show, it is a little unclear. We do know one thing. Whatever happened to him happened because of earthbending and it was by Long Fang because Long Fang is an earthbender and don't believe anything different.
1: That's right. It was definitely Long Feng earthbender for many years and we definitely did not misspeak on an episode regarding this matter at all. Oh, not, no, definitely not, not at all. No, nope. we're
0: Mm-mm. perfect 100% of the
1: time. 100% of the time. Absolutely.
0: Similar to Jet, when in the Crystal Cave scene, actress Katara tells actor Zuko that she finds him really attractive. When actor Zuko doesn't believe her, she insists, saying that she's had eyes for him since the day he first captured her. Katara and Zuko uncomfortably slide away from each other in the audience, and Anne goes to the railing to watch the scene unfold, listening as actor Zuko tells her that he thought she was the Avatar's girl. The Avatar? Actress Katara laughs. Why, he's like a little brother to me. I certainly don't think of him in a romantic way. The actress makes a coy remark about how he would never find out about this and embraces the actor playing Zuko as romantic music swells. Aang angrily stands up and goes to leave. Sokka, thinking Aang is leaving to grab a snack, requests some fire flakes. Ooh, and some fire gummies.
1: Again, another moment that is inaccurate to what actually happened. And Team Avatar is reacting in a negative way,
0: Mm -hmm. which
1: is by association, in my mind, the IRL Team Avatar, the production team, yeah, reacting in this way, which is, Sorry, Zutara shippers. You might be on the wrong side of the fence on that one. Yeah.
0: It's not canon and it will never be, but it will exist in our fan fictions till the end of time.
1: That's true. That's that's very, very true. Also, I love how the events that we're seeing now are just all out of order. Yeah. And I think that's attributed to the timeline in which they're talking to everyone and everyone's perception of time. So things that would happen in like that the nomads would say, they'd probably be like, yeah, I don't know. That happened like three weeks ago when it was like months <laughs> ago. Yeah. So it's just kind of like funny again. They have to rely on word of mouth for this play and kind of yeah. create heads or tails. I am impressed that they managed to connect the dots that Jet, the leader of the Freedom Fighters, is the same person that got brainwashed in Bossing Say. That's really impressive if you think about it.
0: Agreed. And I was thinking about that and it's probably because of the way he got interrogated. Maybe the person they talked to was like either a daily agent or one of maybe the guy who was in the tea house who saw everything happen and heard what was being said.
1: It might actually be someone closer than that. Because who else would know that they're the same person? You would have to have someone who was a part of the Freedom Fighters and in Ba Sing Se at that time, know that Jet is the same person that was brainwashed.
0: And when you think about it, that's really just Smellerby, Longshot, Mm -hmm. and the Diley agents who questioned him. So maybe we have a Diley agent part of this, uh, the prep work of this production.
1: But would the Diley agents know that Katara had a crush on him and that that was like a whole thing?
0: That they wouldn't. So maybe we have, I love how we're just rabbit holing with yes, this headcanon. Yes, <laughs> Maybe that was on the part of Puan Tim. He made the connection after interviewing someone from the Freedom Fighters or around that area and then interviewing someone in Bossing and realized maybe by descriptions, maybe by the hook hands, who knows?
1: I think it's Smellerby. I think Smellerby told him. I'm just going <laughs> so? to flat out say it. I think, <laughs> and I think got details wrong on purpose because if we go down this rabbit hole that Jet died during that those events, Smellerby mm-hmm. is not going to be happy about that and wants to tell everyone, wants to tell the world. So either Smellerby talked to Puan Tim or Smellerby and Longshot made the story of jet well known enough mm. to the city of Basing, say, and anyone who would listen about, you know, the events and all of that. So
0: Yeah. Because I like a good tragic story, I like to think that it was Smellerby yeah. and Longshot, perhaps, who did the interview. With the intention of sharing Jet's story. And then in the end, it just gets convoluted and twisted and put into this really like campy Fire Nation play.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and also, I think it's safe to assume that Poo-on-Tim takes terrible notes. I think so. <laughs> so, yeah. Has to. multitude of reasons. By the way, if if anyone is just like, I don't think it's smell or be, it's it's not a fan theory I'm particularly married to, but it's just something that kind of makes sense to me. Uh, I could be easily dissuaded one way or the other on that.
0: (laughs) Agreed. It's just fun to think about the what ifs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Story bending.
0: Yeah, which may or may not become a thing. Spoilers.
1: Maybe. We'll see.
0: After the scene depicting actor Zuko turning on his uncle because he smells and Zuko hates him. Katara turns to Zuko in alarm and asks if he really said that. Zuko frowns sadly and replies, I might as well have.
1: Every time I watch the scene, I crack up because he just violently shoves Uncle for no reason. I hate you. Shove. He
0: yes, just You smell.
1: Uncle falls so dramatically, too. It's just comical.
0: <laughs> yep. I do actually love how they simplified the conflict between a lot of the characters like Uncle and Zuko. It's always like, no, I don't want your food. Go away. You're smelly. I hate you. Yeah. Super, super simple. Meanwhile, as we've covered on this podcast, their relationship is one of the most complicated, nuanced, and beautifully developed relationships in this show.
1: Yeah. What's interesting about that, too, is that even though Puan Tim got this relationship completely wrong, it still strikes a chord with Zuko. He still feels it. Yeah. It still has like a lot of truth to it, which I think really goes to show just how complex that relationship is. That even though it's something that we know to be satirical, even though it's not trying to be, still cuts to the soul of Zuko and still makes him feel terrible about how he mm-hmm. treated his uncle and how he has not been able to apologize to Iroh and to let him know that like he's on the right path now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's where his moment later on with Toph really feels good because you see him hurting so much in this moment, but then she kind of helps turn turn around a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: In the last scene before the second intermission, actresses for May and Tai Lee take out two Dai agents with a bun dagger and she blocking finger kisses. When actress Ang goes into the Avatar state with a yip yip, the stage is washed <laughs> in black light. The I just stage love it
1: so much.
0: <laughs> I know. Again, so tone deaf. Yep. So incorrect, yep. but hilarious. Yeah. She says, Yip, Yip, and the stage is washed with black light that illuminates her glowing eyes and arrow makeup. She's lifted into the air as fog covers the stage. Actress Azula throws a ribbon at the avatar to simulate her lightning, and the avatar is slowly brought back down to the stage. Actress Azula pronounces the avatar no more, and she and her friends strike a pose in victory. A victory pose, I might add, is very Charlie's Angels.
1: Yeah. I got that too. So, does that make Ozai Charlie?
0: Ozai's Angels. <laughs> Ozai's
1: Angels.
0: <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Two things about this scene. We see that the play has depicted Azula killing Aang and Basingse, even though the citizens of the Fire Nation were made to think that it was Zuko. So, another fallible source of information there.
1: Yeah. I'd like to think that Ozai probably corrected public perception.
0: Ooh, and shifted it back towards Azula?
1: Yeah, because he can't let his son, the traitor, get any honor or glory at all.
0: Ooh, I like the idea that he retconned it.
1: Yeah, so I'd, I'd like to think that he totally, once Zuko went against him, he immediately went to, the, went to whoever is in charge of spreading this information and said... No, it was actually Azula. My son is dishonorable. He lied to me about this. He, who knows what else he lied to me about. My terrible brother, scum of the earth. Just horrible <laughs> individual manipulated him. That's I, I, what I would imagine Ozai's like spin on these events are. So it's totally. actually very interesting that of everything that they got wrong, they got this right. And keeping in mind, they're in the Fire Nation.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's on the same level as propaganda. Got to get that propaganda correct.
1: I was literally going to say, that, especially with the ending of this play, which we'll get to. It feels yep. very propaganda because they're watching their lives up to a point and they get past it and they're like, there's more. And that's the Fire Nation propaganda spin.
0: Absolutely. The other fun fact about the scene is actually about one of the co-creators, Michael DiMartino. Apparently, the -the glow-in-the-dark paint on actress Aang's eyelids and tattoos simulating her going into the Avatar state was a reference to one of his Halloween costumes.
1: Yeah, they talked about that a little bit on the commentary and that it was... Uh, something that actually Michaela Jill Murphy, a.k.a. Jesse Flowers, a.k.a. Toph, <laughs> was startled by. Like, I guess there's this haunted house kind of scenario. This is, by the way, this is me telling the story secondhand. So there are going to be inaccuracies like Ira liking cake instead of tea. Anyways, yeah. So apparently like, they went to this haunted house and um, Mike kind of like called out. It was just like, hey, and then she got startled by him. Oh,
0: my gosh. Yeah,
1: it was kind of funny. It's also uh, good to note too that the commentary on this episode was it was fine. It wasn't anything like crazy groundbreaking for me personally, but both Jack Desena and Michaela Jill Murphy, aka Jessica Flowers, as she's credited in Avatar: The Last Airbender, Mm -hmm. were a part of this commentary track. So we did get some like kind of funny, cool behind the scenes stuff about like what it's like, kind of hearing yourself as an animated character. uh, Some weaknesses, let's call them, or some opportunities that like Jack had in his acting ability like Jack when he laughs as Sokka, finds it incredibly difficult because he doesn't this is these are Jack's words he doesn't have like a medium or small laugh he either just smirks or belly laughs and that's it <laughs> so whenever Sokka had to do a laugh he had to really kind of like find it and they actually credited Andrea Romano who is just like This voice acting legend in terms of casting and giving direction and all of that. And so she helped out a lot as well. And she was actually on the last episode's commentary. So like the commentary, even though we bring it up sometimes, it's worth giving it a watch, in my opinion, just to get these really cool little things. Not everything is to the point of the episode, which is why at least we don't talk about it too, too much. But man... They're just really good little nuggets.
0: Yeah, I agree. You're right. Even though the content may not be groundbreaking or in the realm of like super cool fun fact, it's just nice to hear the creators and the people from the production team talking about the show that we love so much.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: During the second intermission, the gang discuss the play more and Suki makes a comment that the play makes it seem like they lose a lot. Saka reminds her that she was captured by Azula and gives her a long straight faced stare. Suki stares back at him and asks, are you trying to get on my bad side? Which apparently was something that reminded Brian Kanetsko of his own girlfriend.
1: Oh, girlfriend at the time. We don't know what happened there.
0: This being, you know, over 10 years ago. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) Katara asks if anyone has seen Aang and when they haven't, she decides to check outside. She finds him on one of the balconies staring out at the ocean. When she asks if he's all right, he replies that he's not. He's really upset about the play. And even though Katara reminds him that while it's upsetting, he shouldn't overreact. He bitterly reminds her that if he hadn't blocked his chakra, he'd probably be in the avatar state right now. Inside the theater, a kid dressed as the avatar runs past the rest of the group pretending to fly. And this is the kid that was used for the part of Aang in the original picture of the Ember Island players. So this is what he looked like. Sokka asks Suki if she can get him backstage so he can give some jokes to the actor portraying him and she dramatically reminds him that she's an elite warrior who's trained for many years in the art of stealth. Sure thing she can get him backstage. They leave and Toph makes a comment about everyone getting upset about their characters. Even Zuko seems more down than usual. He tells her it's different for her. She gets a muscly version of herself taking down a bunch of bad guys. But with his character, he's being reminded of all the mistakes he's made especially with his uncle. Betraying him is Zuko's greatest regret, one that he feels he may never get to redeem. Top sits down and tells him that he has redeemed himself to his uncle. She once had a long conversation with Iroh, and that was all he talked about, Zuko. His uncle just wanted Zuko to find his own path, and now he's here with them. Iroh would be proud. They end their heart-to-heart with an affectionate punch from Toph.
1: That just means they're friends now.
0: They're friends. They made it. (laughs) Yeah. Also, a cute little detail. That little boy runs past again and tells Zuko his costume's great, but the scar's on the wrong side.
1: It's not on the wrong side. (laughs) (laughs) I love that that grunt. It's not on the wrong side.
0: Then he throws up his hood in anger.
1: (laughs) That is actually, uh, Mike and Brian said, that that that's kind of like what they feel like when they go to cons and then someone corrects them on Avatar. They're just like oh wow. It's like we it's our show we created it and you it's like literally that. It's like yeah Zuko's scar's on the wrong side. It's like it's not on the wrong side. We're right.
0: I can't imagine that even happening. I
1: know, I know.
0: Wow. Backstage, Sokka approaches the actor playing him and tells the boy that he's not representing the character of Sokka quite as well as he could be. The actor groans about another fan with ideas, but Sokka asks him to hear him out. He then consults one of the scraps of paper he's holding and tells a joke. What does the cabbage merchant use to fix his cabbages? A cabbage patch.
1: <laughs> I heard this joke and I <laughs> told it to my wife immediately and she did not like it as much as I did. Let's just say that.
0: Oh, of course you did. I love <laughs> it's that so you funny. It, immediately used it.
1: It's hilarious.
0: Was she like Suki in the background face palming?
1: She was just like crossed her arms was just staring at me. I was like, <laughs> get it? Because cabbage patch and patch to, to Pad- patch things pa- up Patches split. of cabbage? <laughs> I did try to explain it everyone just so you know, and it was not, in her opinion, 42% funnier, but I think it was. So 50-50 split on that one in this household.
0: <laughs> well, is the actor laughed. He That's found true. it funny.
1: That's very true.
0: So much so that he asks to see the rest of Sokka's notes and reads them, continuing to laugh to himself. Sokka also advises him to come up with some phrases, especially before an attack. Something like, flying kick-a-pow! They walk away together, Sokka's arm over the actor's shoulder. The actor asks who he is, and Sokka replies, I'm just a guy who likes comedy.
1: I'm you, and you're me.
0: Spider-Man meme.
1: And then they both have existential crisis. The end.
0: (laughs) Back outside, Aang asks Katara if she meant what she said on stage about how he's like a brother to her. Katara reminds him that she didn't say that, an actor did. Aang is still disheartened because even though they kissed at the invasion, they're not together now. Katara doesn't know what to say and when she's pressed for an answer by Aang, reminds him that they're in the middle of a war and have other things to worry about. She apologizes and admits that she's confused. While her eyes are closed, Aang leans in to kiss her. Katara steps back, irritated, and repeats that she just said she was confused and goes back inside.
1: Not a good look, pal. Not a good look. Ooh.
0: At least at the end, he's like, "Ah, oh, I'm such an idiot.
1: Oh my God. There's, I, gotta, I have to say this. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, I have yeah. to tell you this. There's a meme on TikTok right now that is him saying that, but it sounds like something else. So he says such an idiot, but it kind of sounds like idiot. Oh no. And if you listen to it again, it does. We know he's saying such, an, I'm such an idiot. Uh, I was watching that and I was holding my daughter who is now eight months old. And he says that. And my wife goes, that's not appropriate. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I thought you said this like a Nickelodeon like kid show. And I was like, yeah, it's like rated Y7. Like there's nothing in here that's like inappropriate. I wouldn't think like maybe a little animated violence. And she's like, well, he just said idiot and i was like no and then i remembered the meme on tiktok i was like no, was like, no he says oh, yes. such an idiot and i felt like i was kind of mansplaining a little bit so maybe feel kind of bad but I've, i replayed it and she was like oh i was like yeah don't worry you're not the first person to think that's what he said
0: Yep. you are not the first yeah you know that was the one that got away From Andrea. But
1: like, it goes either way. And I don't know if there's a delivery for that where you can have that same emotion and stuff like that and not have it sound like one thing.
0: Yeah, probably more emphasis on the word such. I'm such an idiot.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But it's just kind of funny. And now it's a nice little meme for us.
0: Whoopsie. Oops. This time when he goes back inside the theater, Aang sits in a completely different row next to Sokka and Suki. Sokka leans over and fills him in on what he missed and says the invasion is about to start. On stage, actress Katara and actress Aang have another, I'll always love you like a brother moment, to which actress Aang replies, I wouldn't have it any other way. In the audience, both Aang and Katara look miserable. When actress Sokka delivers one of Sokka's jokes on stage, Sokka freaks out and excitedly looks from Suki to Aang and back to the stage. Actress Sokka continues saying, I hope everyone's ready for the invasion. Slap a pow. The audience laughs and Sokka laughs until he cries.
1: What is that? Slap (laughs) about.
0: He forgot what Sokka said, I guess.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know if he did, though, because even Sokka is laughing hysterically. And I feel like this could be me just projecting, but I feel like Sokka definitely laughs at his own jokes. Oh, he does. Yeah.
0: He, He does all the time. He thinks he's the funniest person in the world.
1: And you know what? He is. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I think that Slop-a-Pow was a note that he gave the actor. And I don't know why. <laughs> There's, it's yeah. Just
0: funny. Well, he said earlier, flying kick-a-pow. But who knows what was written on the paper? Oh, Maybe it was actually like Slop-a-Pow. That's and right. And he was ad-libbing when he was talking to him. You're right. Either way, is a genius. Yeah. The audience loved it.
1: <laughs> it's true. They ate it up.
0: <laughs> also, it's a really small moment. But after his first freakout, Suki has this cute little smile on her face. That to me says, yep, that's my boyfriend. He's an idiot, but I love him for it.
1: Yeah, I caught that too. It's it was so really nice. Cute. It is.
0: The scene transforms into the Fire Lord's throne room on the day of the invasion. The actors find the Fire Lord isn't home, but then Zuko appears. Actually, I'm home and I want to join you, he announces. The actors stare at him for a moment and then actor Saka says, I guess we have no choice. Come on. They race <laughs> off the stage. <laughs> In the audience, Sokka stands up and stretches, believing the play is over because the events have caught up to the present. Suki tells him to sit down because there's still more to go. Sokka gets spooked and wonders if this is the future.
1: (coughs) That's the future noise.
0: <laughs> Spoopy.
1: Spoopy. It got like that like creepy music and now it, now it gets a little meta or yeah. a little more meta, I should say.
0: Extra meta.
1: Yeah. And, and keep in mind too, we talked about this a little earlier. Uh, this is where like the real propaganda really kind of starts to kick in here. Yep. Like I almost wanted to just say like hashtag ad from Ozai <laughs> and all your friends at the Fire Nation Royal Family.
0: <laughs> yep. Actor Ozai appears at the top of his throne and points to a paper lantern comet gliding over his head. With the energy harnessed from that comet, no one will be able to stop the Fire Nation. Actress Azula warns him that Zuko and the Avatar are in the palace and are there to stop him. The Fire Lord disappears in a puff of smoke and actor Zuko and actress Azula square off on stage. They fight with red and blue ribbons, the fight growing more elaborate when fabric fire shoots up across the stage to engulf Zuko. The actor screams, honor, before dropping <laughs> through a trap door. <laughs> Actress Azula bows and the audience cheers. Well, everyone except Zuko and company who looks startled.
1: Quick note, voice acting note, Ozai was also voiced by Dee Bradley Baker.
0: Ooh, fun. Yep.
1: Yeah. The other thing I want to kind of bring up is Zuko's reaction to himself dying on stage. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I think the easy thing to say is like, yeah, he's reacting to his own death, but I also think there's something a little bit more to it. I think that he is watching or has watched him fight his sister and he's realizing that this is an inevitability that he didn't really consider before. Like, he's going Mm -hmm. to have to face off against Azula one last time and one of them is going to have to end it permanently. Oh, Yep. And then, yes, like, if you're saying, no, Greg, you're reading too much into it. Like, this is just, he watched himself die on stage. And that's, like, essentially watching your own death or watching what, if we're looking at this through propaganda lens, this is what your father wants, which is also Mm. super damaging. But I feel like at this point, like, that's all extremely valid. And that could very well be what they're saying on screen right here. But for me, I think he's realizing that, or he has already realized that his father doesn't really care about him. So I don't think he would really care if his father put a hit out for him or wants him dead. I think it would be much yeah. more impactful if Iroh wanted that, for example. But I think that him having to go up against a sibling, it very well needs to end in death for one of them. As far as he's concerned at this moment is really what he's reacting to.
0: Yeah, I like that just because Aang has the same kind of dilemma Yeah, when it comes to his fight with the Fire Lord. He is slowly about to have to come to terms with the fact that he's a pacifist. And he's expected to to defeat the Fire Lord. Zuko's already asked this question. Well, what's he going to do when he goes up against my father if he thinks that killing's not the answer? So it's a similar thing where Zuko is maybe finally realizing the reality of the situation and what's to come.
1: Yeah, that's a a great parallel. Yeah. When that whole thing, he's like, yeah, dang, you're going to have to kill my dad. And meanwhile, Zuko doesn't even realize that he's going to have to kill his sister. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Now it's just dawned on him. Holy crap. That's really good.
0: The set shifts one more time and actress Aang faces the Fire Lord, only to be told she's too late. The comet has come and the Fire Lord is unstoppable. The two actors launch into an elaborate choreography with fire ribbons and an air staff. Finally, a massive sheet of shimmering orange fabric crosses the stage and wraps around actress Aang, who yells as she falls to the stage. Actress Azula and actor Ozai rejoice as the rest of the stage is covered in fiery fabric. We have done it, the Fire Lord shouts. The dreams of my father and my father's father have now been realized. The world is mine. Later, when the gang leaves the theater, they're a bit shell shocked and all agree that the play was terrible. Sokka, ever the contrarian notes, but the effects were decent. The end.
1: They note (laughs) in the commentary at this point, the last airbender has not come out the live action Mm -hmm. movie. But at this point, Based on the commentary in this episode, Mike and Brian have, I think, distanced themselves from the project because they Mm. said this line was a dig at The Last Airbender. (gasps) Really? They said that like, well, we hope it's like going to be very successful and all of that. But like, you know, this is what we kind of feel about The Last Airbender or something. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but like something to that effect. And that gave me a chuckle because I also feel like a lot of people kind of had that reaction. Like, wow, this is terrible, but the effects weren't bad. (laughs)
0: I love them. Yeah. So much. (laughs) I
1: love when Mike and Brian get upset about something because they have such a humorous way to cope with that feeling. Yeah. And I admire that very greatly from them. Like there are things that like upset me and I get to that point eventually. But I like, I don't know. I feel like they're so quick on it. I wish I was just as quick as they are about it.
0: They're witty and clever. They are which I appreciate so much also. Yeah. Wow. What a beefy episode.
1: Yeah. Wow. But we've
0: done it. Who knew? Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew that the Ember Island players would pack such a recap punch? Man. All right. Down to the important stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you have an MVP this episode, Greg? And if so, who?
1: The MVP for this episode. I'm going to have to give it to my boy, Sokka, who saved the play with his jokes.
0: He pretty much did. He
1: did. People were yawning and sleeping and leaving. And then he gave that actor a bunch of note cards. And now all of a sudden, everyone's laughing and had, cheering and having a good time. So
0: I love it. What about you? Ooh, I think I'm going to have to say Toph. Oh, yeah. Because Toph was a constant reminder to not take things too seriously. To
1: That's just enjoy
0: true, yeah. it. It's just entertainment. Don't get your knickers in a bunch. Just relax. Sit back. Enjoy the show. Yeah. She also had a great heart to heart with Zuko and gave him a lot of peace and comfort in telling him about that conversation she had with his uncle.
1: Yeah. By the way, they did just announce that Toph is going to be a character in the Nickelodeon Smash Brothers knockoff.
0: Yeah, that's going to be interesting.
1: Yeah, I wonder who else they're going to pull in from uh, from the Avatar universe because we have Korra and Aang right now and now Toph. So I'm very excited about it, but sorry that we should say it in the beginning, but I want to say it now. Yeah, MVPs. Those were, those were ours.
0: What about the moral of the episode?
1: Oh, the moral of the episode. This is a big one. As silly as this episode is. I think the moral of this episode is no matter what you do or what you say or any adventure that you go on, if it's going to get retold, it's probably going to get retold incorrectly and someone's going to have opinions on it, I think. I think that's it. Mm. It's just things can get twisted and mixed up in interpretation. That's just all you can really do is just take it in and move on.
0: Yeah. My moral of the episode is very similar. Just don't take life too seriously. Yeah. And I think at the heart of that moral is exactly what you said. You can't control what people say about you. You can only control your actions and the way that you react to them. So get good at poking fun at yourself, at laughing along, and just not taking things too seriously.
1: Yeah. Also, if your story is incomplete, the government's just going to rewrite it as propaganda for themselves. (laughs) (laughs) The most important one. (laughs) Propaganda.
0: Oh, boy. All right. Well, that is it for today's episode. Where can everyone find you, Greg?
1: Yeah, everyone can find me as I'm sure everyone knows by now over at twitch.tv slash on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as the final Friday of every month where we have Avatalk, where we get to talk about yeah. things that don't quite fit into the structure of the podcast, but people have written in to us about it. So uh, we just can't contain ourselves. It's a live show that's at 7 p.m. on my channel, Twitch.tv slash BoosterGreg, on the last Friday of every month. Just so everyone has a heads up, we are not doing one in December because that would be New Year's Eve. And a lot of people, including ourselves, might have plans or might want to just kind of like be with friends and family at that point and uh, not watch us make a goofy jokes about Avatar <laughs> for an hour. So we will resume again in January. But I just wanted to kind of give everyone that heads up. You'd also find me on Twitter or anywhere on the internet, really. If you're looking and you found me, congratulations. There's no prize. This is just me. So,
0: (laughs) First name Booster, last name Greg.
1: Boosterius Gregoire the 17th.
0: (laughs) You wouldn't happen to be related to Bonzu, would you?
1: Uh, Bonzu Pete? We don't talk about Bonzu in the family.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Whenever he's around, you just get kind of itchy. Don't know why.
0: People with long names like that tend to have that effect. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. You can find me online at Acorn Bandit. You can also find all my stuff if you go to joysans.com, dot com slash pages slash acorn. Thank you all so much for listening. Remember that there's also a lot of ways for you to interact with us. You can head over to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash avatar the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at podcastavatar. You can also write to us at AvatarThePodcast at gmail.com. And you can also check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast.
1: Yes. And if you miss any AvaTalks, they're on our YouTube. Yes. Be sure to check them out there. And another little spoiler, we may or may not in 2022 be having YouTube specific content. So
0: Ooh. you're
1: going to want to go subscribe to the YouTube just for that.
0: That's right. Coming up next time,
1: the finale part one and two and
0: the Phoenix and the Lotus. All this and more next time on Avatar Avatar, the the podcast. Podcast.
1: Avatar the Podcast is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com.